Thank you, Ms. Cheryl. Thank you for all of the wonderful music today. Take your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Habakkuk. The book of Habakkuk, chapter number three. Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk. Habakkuk, chapter number three this morning. We are continuing our series of messages on awakening. Uh, Revival is here. Before I get into the message, while you're finding um, Habakkuk, uh, many of you have uh, been inquiring even more about our stage and, and uh, the, the finished layout of it. So let me just share with you just a moment uh, and kind of give you a, a better vision than what we could give you last week. Um, basically, um, if you come over on this side, there is a hardwood floor down. Uh, we finished this up yesterday. And uh, this hardwood floor is going to be finished uh, and uh, stained. It'll be stained about the color of the pulpit. Uh, the uh, oak stain up there, and uh, that'll be all the way around the, the uh, stage. It'll look all the same, including the stairs and everything, and uh, obviously back here, the stage is raised, uh, and uh, that's where our choir, the two levels of the choir will be. There'll be a set of stairs that will run on this side of the stage coming right out of the uh, choir room there, and then there'll be a set of stairs over on this side uh, for when we have plays and productions uh, as part of our backstage as we've used it in times uh, gone by. And then uh, there'll be uh, uh, faces on the front of the stage, obviously, and uh, they're going to look similar to what these uh, boards up here look like. Uh, there'll be three different sections of them, and uh, it'll look uh, very nice when it's all completed. I would ask that you, uh, if you do want to come up here, I, I'm, I'm more than happy to uh, uh, encourage you to do that. I would just ask you to be careful because our carpet um, is rolled up here in the front, so just be careful. And these are temporary stairs. These are not uh, the final stairs, uh, what they'll look like, uh, but they are very well grounded, and you can get up here, and uh, you can walk over and see uh, what it looks like, or you can stand over here if you'd like, or if you'd like to come see what it looks like to look over everybody, you can do that too. And uh, so uh, I just wanted to kind of give you an idea. Someone said to me, uh, a couple of things they said to me this morning. One was is that they're thankful that it's this high now uh, because they are able to see everybody. Uh, you know, when they have plays and productions and stuff, especially people would kind of look around like this and look around like this, and now you'll be able to see everybody. The other person told me that I need to start charging for front row seats because it's like VIP. So um, when we pass the plates, we'll pass it double to those sitting in the front rows, all right? No, I'm kidding. Um, So this morning, I want to share with you, uh, continuing our message of awakening, revival is here. If you're visiting with us this morning, this is a a challenge that I'm giving to our church over the, uh, we we started last week and we'll do this week and next week, prior to our Super Bowl of Friends Sunday that we're going to be having. And uh, I'm just sharing from my heart, and I really feel like that in in this day and hour where we're at in our church's life and, and really in our country's life, is that we need, to, we need to be prepared. We need to be begging God to begin revival. Because I believe with all my heart, uh, based upon everything that I'm seeing, that the days are numbered. The days are numbered here on the earth. Uh, uh, the Bible tells us that as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be when the coming of the Son of Man shall be. If you study those passages of Scripture, you'll see that in our day and time that we're living in right now, the Bible is very clear that it's going to wax worse and worse, and, and we're seeing that progressively happen. But I also believe that God is not done. I believe that God is not finished with the church. 
And uh, when we talk about the church, we're not talking about these four walls. We're talking about each and every one of you that have walked in this morning. You are the church, and I don't believe that God is done with us. What I think happens, and I, I want to be very careful as I say this, but, but I, I really believe this passionately with inside of me. I, I don't believe God is done with us, but I believe in many cases people are done with God. You say, Pastor, what do you mean by that? We're at church this morning. I understand that. I do. But, but outside of this place, where is God at in your life? Outside of coming to church and being a part of a fellowship, where is God at in your life? Is, is, he just, is he just another person? Is it just another day that you do here on Sunday? Because I think what's happened is in the heart of many Christians is that God is not done with us, but in essence, we are done with God. And so this morning, I want to show you from the book of Habakkuk. I know we've been in uh, uh, the Old Testament now last week and this week, and, and you're wondering, how, how does this all relate? Well, the truth of the matter is that Habakkuk was in a very similar place that we are at today in, our, in the life of, in the heart of our country. They were on the eve of destruction. They were on the eve of, of the Babylonians coming in and taking over uh, the little city of, of Judah there and, and the nation of Judah. And, and literally Habakkuk, as being a prophet, was, was trying to figure out what he could do for this nation. And he realized one thing. He realized that God... That, that he was going to bring imminent destruction. And there was nothing that Habakkuk could do about it. That destruction was certainly going to come to Judah. And so what Habakkuk did was, instead of praying that God would remove the destruction, he prayed that the people would have a time and a moment, just one more time in their lives, that they could experience revival. And I'm telling you, as your pastor and as your friend, that that's what I want to see more than anything. I want to see our church. I want to see Carroll County. I want, to see, I want to see all the surrounding counties and all across the world experience revival. You know, the truth is, is that we've talked a lot about it. We, 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 we hear about revivals that have happened in times gone by, and we always talk about revival. And this is what we equate revi revival with. We equate revival with somebody setting up a tent, and let's go to church Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And let's get some guy that can kick up some sawdust and preach to us and, 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 and preach the rafters off. And we walk away from there and we say we have revival. Ladies and gentlemen, that is not revival. Revival is what happens inside of you. It is not an external force. It is an internal spiritual relationship that you have with God. We can set up tents all across this city and never experience revival. We have got to come to the place in our lives where we decide that as Christians that we desire and that we want and we passionately have to have revival. Isaiah chapter 55, that's our launching passage over the past couple of weeks. The Bible says this, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord. And he, speaking of the Lord, will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Seek him while he may be found. The greatest need of this hour is revival. And it is our responsibility to evangelize the world. We must take the message of Jesus to every creature as the Bible hasn't told us to do. A good definition of revive is found in the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. And I, I love the, the thought process here. 
He says that to revive is to make someone or something strong, healthy, or active. What's the next word? Again. Again. To become strong, to become healthy, to become active again, to bring something back into use, or what's the next word? Popularity. To revive. Something that was, one, that was once active to become active again. Charles Spurgeon said it this way. He said, oh men and brethren, what would this heart feel if I could but believe that there were some among you who would go home and pray for a revival. Men whose faith is large enough and their love fiery enough to lead them from this moment to exercise unceasing intercessors that God would appear among us and do wondrous things here as in the time of former generations. World evangelism is not a man-made idea. It, it is not a marketing method. Someone came up to sell religious materials. It is the command of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Mark 16, and he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We understand what evangelism is. But what I want to tell you this morning is however as much as evangelism is needed in our world, evangelism is not revival. Many times we want to walk out of here and we want to equate and we say, the way I experience revival is go tell everybody I can about Jesus. And you should tell them about Jesus. But evangelism is not revival. Revival involves the people of God. Evangelism is God's people telling the lost. Revival involves the people of God. It's when we become involved with the things of God. Revival is God's people, listen to me, getting their hearts stirred. A revival, listen to this, is a new beginning of what? Oh man, obedience to God. We need a new beginning of obedience to God. It's amazing to me as parents that we expect our, so much out of our children. And the one thing that we expect the most is obedience. We expect immediate obedience. We don't, we don't expect delayed obedience. We don't expect disobedience. We expect immediate obedience. Why is it then as adults we feel like we've grown out of that stage in our lives? We feel like that we don't have to obey or anyone, or maybe delayed obedience is okay. Maybe if God asks me to do something, maybe I'll tell him, Lord, it's just not time to do it right now. Maybe, maybe, Lord, maybe give me a few years. Maybe I can get into the place where I can. Listen, God wants us to, to experience revival, and revival begins with obedience. Revival begins with a burden, and today we're going to look at Habakkuk's burden that he had for the nation of Judah and see his heart cry for revival. Habakkuk chapter 1 and verse number 1. The Bible says the burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. I believe with all my heart that we as Christians need to get a new burden. That we need to see a burden like we've never seen before in our lives. That we need to experience a burden like we've never had. A burden for Jesus Christ. A burden for growth 
in our lives, a burden and a passion for revival within ourselves. Because that's where it all begins. It all begins with a burden. It all begins with our desire. Can I tell you something? That there is no secret formula to revival. The secret formula is simply this, is that we decide in our hearts that we are going to have the passion that God desires us to have for his word and for a relationship with him. That's what we have to have. The book of Habakkuk is one of the 12 books found in the Old Testament that are uh, referred to as minor prophets. They're not referred to as minor prophets because they're less important. They're referred to as minor prophets because they are uh, less in chapter and in words as, as compared to the major prophets. In this book of Habakkuk, we find the major message of all the word of God right in the middle of the book of Habakkuk. Behold, Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse number 4, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by what? Faith. But the just shall live by faith. Habakkuk lived on the eve of captivity of his nation. And in a sense, his day was the day before destruction. The Babylonians were about to come down upon the nation of Judah and destroy it. Because of this imminent destruction, Habakkuk was greatly burdened for revival. I find myself with the very same sentence. Here we are, a nation that is literally, we're literally on the eve of destruction... And we believe the Lord's return is imminent. Therefore, I, like so many others, have a burden to see revival in our church and in our nation. When we come to Habakkuk chapter number 3, which is our launching pad today, we see Habakkuk's real heart, the heart for revival. My prayer today for you and for me is that we'll walk away with this same heart of revival. If you have your Bibles, if you're standing with me, Habakkuk chapter number 3. Habakkuk chapter number 3, just two verses. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 1 and verse number 2. The Bible says this. In chapter 3 and verse number 1. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet upon Shiganoth. O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known in wrath. Remember mercy. Our Father in heaven, Lord, I pray that you'll bless the reading of your word. Lord, I pray that you'll bless the few moments that we have together. Lord, may some way the message and the burden that you've given to me be relayed to our congregation. And Lord, not only relayed, but Lord, that the Holy Spirit of God would take the words that I say, Lord, and take those words and, and distinguish them and explain them to the hearts of our people. So, Lord, that they too can find the passion and the desire for revival in their own lives. Lord, I pray that you'll bless the reading of your word. Lord, we love you. But most of all, we thank you for loving us. For it's in your precious and holy son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. If you're in the habit of taking notes, on the back of your bulletin, there's an outline. And I just want to share with you just a few thoughts that God has laid on my heart about a heart cry, a real burden for revival. Notice that Habakkuk declared, O Lord, revive thy work. Let us consider the heart cry for revival. We must understand from the very beginning that a revival is between an individual and God. It's between an individual and God. If we do not have revival in our lives, it is not our fault. 
It is not God's fault. Or excuse me, it is our fault. It's not God's fault. It is a personal matter. We can have a personal revival in our lives, whether or not the church as a whole has experienced revival. Revivals do not first come to churches. They first come to individuals, and then they may spread throughout the church, but it begins with an individual. I've heard pastors get up and preach that, that if you want revival to start, you'll, you'll draw yourself a circle, and you'll step inside the circle, and you'll ask God to bring revival to the circle. Listen, I don't want God to bring revival to the circle. I want God to bring revival to my heart. I want God to take everything that's inside of me, everything that's in my being, and see that every single part of my life has to be given to revival. And the way that that happens is that I have a new passion and a new burden and a new revival in my heart for the things of God, not for the things of myself, not for the things that, that I, that I uh, uh, find pleasure in, but in the things that God desires for my life. It's every single part of me has to have that desire. Study the history of revival, Adrian Rogers said, and God has always sent revival in the darkest days. Oh, for a mighty sweeping revival today. Number one in your outline, the basics of revival. The basics of revival. What I'm going to share with you this morning is not anything new. It's not anything that you probably have never heard before, but sometimes it's always good to just stop and hit the refresh button. Stop and say, okay, God, here I am again, and I really want this revival to happen in my life. First of all, God desires to work through us. God desires to work through us. He has a real desire to work in and through us. Remember that the prophet Habakkuk was standing on the eve of captivity of his nation. The Babylonians were about to come down and take captive the little nation of Judah. It may have been a tiny nation as far as the world affairs and the population was concerned. But nothing, nothing could be more important than the people in the place where God had chosen to work. Boy, I'm telling you, when we think about our own nation and we think about the nation of Judah and the place that they were at, boy, what a comparison. You say, Pastor, we're not on the eve of captivity. No, we're on the eve of Christ's return. We're on the eve of the, the age of grace ending. And boy, we need a revival. We need a revival in our own hearts and our own souls. To those people and through those people, God desired to make himself known to the rest of the world. The same can be said of North Point Baptist Church. God wants to make himself known to us and through us to all those around us. This will not happen unless we experience revival in our own lives. Letter B, revival is our only hope. Revival is certainly our only hope. You say, Pastor, what do you mean? Look at me, church. If we do not get the desire to have revivals, a revival in our life, our world has no hope. You say, Pastor, I'm just one person. That's true. I thought that to myself too. So you know what I did? I was sitting in my office, and I, as God was beginning to give me this burden, and I, began, I sat down in my office, and God challenged me. This is what he said, Lee. He said, I want you to write down every person's name that you can remember. And I started writing. That list kept getting longer and longer, and longer. And I began to think about all my family. And then I began to think about my wife's family. And then I began to think about their family and extensions. And then I began to think about people that I've come in contact through my life. High school, college, uh, uh, going and, and having lunches with people and meeting people. And then church and all the people that have had influence on my life. And, and, and maybe in a small part I've had influence on their life. And that page got longer and longer. 
And this is what I realized. That if revival doesn't start with me in my own life, how are these other people ever going to experience revival? You see, it's my job to take that passion in my heart and extend it to everyone that I know. And you as well, because you have contacts and people that you know that I'll never have contact with that you can spread revival to. The only hope in our country or for our country is revival. If we believe our only hope is revival and the only people that can have revival are God's people, then we who know the Lord hold the key to hope. We hold the key to hope. Habakkuk faced a very serious situation His nation was going to be led captive. The mind of God was not going to change. This calamity was inescapable. Judah was going into captivity. And the prophet said, I've come now to believe that the only thing that we can ask God for is revival. The only thing that we can ask God for is revival. And I believe that's the same sentiment in our own lives. And in the place that we are at. The, the, the rapture is going to happen. The tribulation is going to occur. There is absolutely nothing as Christians that we can do about that. But what we can do is we can ask God and beg God for revival in our lives. The judgment of, our, of God upon our country is also inevitable. It is escapable. We will be judged for our sins. And the only hope that we have is revival. Let us pray as Habakkuk did in wrath. Remember mercy. Let us see. Revival means a greater devotion to Christ. Revival means a greater devotion to Christ. All believers know that we need a higher level of devotion to Jesus Christ. When revival comes, people will be willing to serve the Lord because they are devoted to Christ. They have given their lives to Christ. A.W. Tozer said this, and I love this statement. And I I think it, it, it culminates to our devotion in our own prayer life. And I think we can have the same sentiments and understand what he's talking about. Have you ever noticed how much praying for revival has been going on as of late? I've heard it all all across in different places in America. People talking about uh, revival and they want to have it. But it's amazing to me how little revival has resulted. A.W. Tozer said, I believe the problem is that we've been trying to substitute praying for obeying. And it simply will not work. Boy, we can pray for it. We pray for revival, pray for revival, pray for revival. But you know what? As much as you pray, you have to obey. You have to do what God is is compelling you to do. We want to pray for revival. And a lot of times, this is what we want to do. I love this prayer. Lord, we need some help in our church. Would you ask somebody to help? Lord, we have some places that, that have some needs. And Lord, would you ask, would you put that burden upon somebody? That's the problem. We always want to pray for everybody else. We got to pray, Lord, send revival to me. And Lord, make me passionate about something in my life. And then once I'm passionate about it, make sure that I obey. Make sure I do what God has called me to do. Letter D, revival increases the labor force for Christ. It increases the labor force for Christ. Because people get excited. People want to serve. When we started this little project up here, it's not so little, but when we started this little project up here, someone brought me a piece of paper and they said, Pastor, this is what it's going to look like when it's all over with. Now, I'm going to tell you something about me. Why are you laughing? 
I'm a very visual person, very visual person. You know, that's why when I preach, almost practically except for some rabbit trails that I run, everything that you see is on the screens. Because I, there's three types of learners. There's visual, there's audio, and there's kinesthetic tactile. Here at our church, uh, God is just, I, I, I took some classes and I learned these things. And, and God really uh, uh, burdened me for that. And so I, I, I desire whenever I preach that, that we, we, we connect with all three learners. And so you hear me preach. You visually see practically almost everything that I say. And then you can take notes. That's kinesthetic tactile, hands on. And so we try to, try to go into all three of those. But I'm, I'm a very visual learner. And they said, this is what it's going to look like when it's all done. And I said, okay, great. And then they start yelling, not, or not yelling, but talking to me numbers, you know. It's going to be this high and this wide and all this. And that's great. I get it, sure. We pulled out the old stage. And they started sliding these trusses through and started putting these boards together. They didn't ask me to touch anything. I get it. But then I started watching it happen. And once it began to happen, it was like, wow, now I see it. Now I understand it. Now I'm getting a good feel for where we're going. And and then it was at that moment that I could begin to give a little bit of input. And say, I think we need to do things a little bit differently and do it this way and do it that way. And they said, great, that, that sounds good. And so we made all the adjustments. But can I tell you something? Listen to me very carefully. If I'd have stayed at home... And the comfort of my bed and the comfort of my family and never got involved when it was all said and done I would have nothing to say about it right you see when we decide to get involved it changes our vision it changes what we see, it changes how the outcome is going to happen because then all of a sudden, now it becomes less of a project and more of something that I'm involved with. I mean, it got so exciting that they handed me a drill and a bucket of screws. And they said, here, screw the plywood in. And then a guy came behind me and said, Pastor, you missed. Listen. That's what revival does. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now, and and this is the honest truth. You say, Pastor, this is silly. No, it's true. The moment that I got involved is the moment I became more excited about what was happening. The moment that I got involved, the moment that I started helping out and was able to help out, it went from being a spectator to someone who can say, hey, I, I drilled that little screw right there. I got involved. I was able to be a part of it. Listen, I couldn't tell you how to put this thing together at all, but I had a little part in it. And God is not looking for people to figure it all out all the time. He's just looking for people to have a little part in it. And it changes everything within us. It it makes us have more revival in our lives when we get personally involved. We need more people involved in the work of the Christian ministry. We need more people witnessing, more people praying, more people faithfully attending the local church. In the family of God, everyone should assume part of the workload. Some people who once served no longer serve. But the truth is, is the revival causes more people to get under the workload. To get behind what's happening. Letter E, and I'm going to be quick. Revival causes greater interest in the Lord's work. 
Revival causes greater interest in the Lord's work. You say, Pastor, doesn't the last two kind of go together? Well, they're similar. But when people are see things happen, when people see that, that change is happening and they see that excitement is happening and they see building is happening and they see things are happening, then interest becomes greater in the Lord's work. Now, I'm going to make a few statements here and I want you to listen to the whole thing because I think it's important that you understand the whole concept. The longer I live, the fewer things I get involved in. You say, Pastor, you just told us to get involved. I know, but listen to me. I'm a very happy and I, I'm very happy and I, I very much enjoy my life and I very much enjoy my, my ministry and I very, that God has given to me. I, I, I love my family. But I've learned as I have been on staff at churches since the age of 19 as an assistant pastor. When I went on, when I went on staff at the age of 19 as an assistant pastor at a church in Jacksonville, Florida... Man, when I went in there, I'd been in, I'd been in church all my life. I'd been in church nine, more, nine months before I was ever born. So for everything I knew was ministry. We were in church all the time. And when I became an assistant pastor, man, I wanted to take that church by the reins, and I wanted to do everything. I mean, I wanted to start a thousand ministries. And I did. I started as many as I could. And then I began to learn something. You can only stretch so thin. You can only do so much. And so I had to learn to narrow my interest, to narrow the things that are important. Uh, a, 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 a very solid pastor said one time as I was listening to him preach, he said this. He said, sometimes we have to do less to do more. You see, you can do a lot of things good, but you can do a few things great. And that's a huge difference. As Christians, we cannot do all that we once did. We cannot behave frivolously. We must think, what does, the God, what does God want me to do? You know, so many times we see people in ministry and we say, Boy, I want to do what they're doing, and I want to do what they're doing, and I want to do what they're doing. That's not what God is asking us to do. God is asking us for me to do something specific and in particular. I must do God's work. We must narrow our interest. And the revival will take care of this because we will learn to eliminate good things for the best things. Letter F, revival brings zeal for the Lord. It brings zeal for the Lord. It brings a new passion for God. We must have zeal to take advantage of the unparalleled opportunities that are given, us, given to us today. More doors are open today than have ever been opened before. We need zeal to take advantage of all those opportunities that God is giving us. If we have revival, it will bring about a deep satisfaction, a wrestling with God, a discontentment with self. Nancy Lee DeMoss said this, revival is not just an emotional touch, it's a complete takeover. Boy, I've seen it. You come to church and somebody preaches a message and the altars are flooded and everybody's crying and everybody's, you know, begging God to change their lives. And it becomes an emotional thing, but it never becomes a complete takeover. And revival is a complete takeover. Number two, the burden for revival. The burden for revival. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet of Shiganoth, Habakkuk chapter 3, verse number 1. Uh, the word Shiganoth means an expression of profound or strong emotions. It means that the prophet came with a heart so burdened and so broken that he could not go anywhere 
but to God. Habakkuk began to pray. And the truth is, the burden of revival must begin in our prayer closets. We must pray and seek God's face. We must say, we are turning to God. It begins with a prayer. And I'm going to be honest with you today. I'm no more disturbed with anyone than my own self. I'm troubled because the truth is, is that I'm probably not as troubled as I should be. We must have a burden for revival. It must be in us. Many of us have talked about revival in all of our lives. And we have heard preachers preaching about it all of our lives. People talk about it everywhere we go. I believe that God does want to send it. And he will when we get a burden for God and for what only he can do. Number three. And I'm being quick, I know. The basis for revival. What are the, what's the basis for revival? Habakkuk chapter 3, verse number 2. Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known in wrath, remember mercy. Arrival begins with God. The fear of God is a vital part of revival. Habakkuk said this. He said, I was afraid. There must be a fear of God. There must be a stirring of our hearts about what is going on. It's a burden. It's revival. It's within us. The Bible teaches that Jesus is coming again, and this is for certain. And the Bible says that there is a day appointed for me to die if the Lord does not return, or does not come soon, rather. It's going to come. I do not know what day that is, but you, have, you also have the same kind of appointment. My life on this earth will come to an end, and I know this to be true. If we intend to do anything for the Lord, we must do it now. We must do it now. Number four, and I'm done. The blessing of revival. The blessing of revival. The prayer of Habakkuk is very revealing. He said, in the midst of the years make known, in wrath, remember mercy. He recognized that wrath could not be removed. We too cannot change the wrath. But in the midst of the wrath, the Lord can remember mercy. This is the hope of the church. Our hope is that God will continue to be merciful to us. This means if he does not clean up everything around us, he is still able to bless our ministries and help us to be a blessing to others. And truly, this right here, his mercy is the blessing of revival. In the midst of wrath, God will remember mercy. This is revival when God remembers mercy. Last night... About one o'clock in the morning, God woke me up. And I began to think about everything that's happening around here. And I began to think about the events that had happened on Saturday. I arrived here Saturday morning, and there were several men, and they were beginning to work. They were beginning to make everything happen. And on Thursday, prior to that, my wife was here, and we had all the wood delivered. And she began to sort through the wood. And she made several piles. She made a pile that looked similar to this. Beautiful. Hardly if no, imperfections. And then she made a second pile. And she said, these are some that have some knots in it. 
They might need some work done to them. And then she made a third pile. She said, these are the rough ones. These are the ones that let's put in the back. Or let's cover them up with an instrument. But yet, you can still fill them in as I'm learning more and more. You can fill them in and you can putty them and you can sand them down. And they will make a good hardwood floor. I watched on Saturday as I was observing these men. And there was a man back here and somebody would throw him one of those uh, uh, long stacks of wood and they'd throw it across here. And he would take that stack of wood and he would cut off all the strands. And there were several men up here. And, and, and there was a couple of them on the floor, and they were on their knees. And he would take that wood, and he would stack it up. And, and then there was two men, and they had that machine right over there that was hooked to an air compressor. And, and, and they would lay those pieces of wood out. And then he would take that, that machine, and he would staple them into place. And I began to watch as this process began. Then last night, God woke me up. He said, Lee, each one of those bundles, there's several pieces. He said, we took those bundles and we began to open them up. You just saw me open it. Look, there's a perfect piece. And then you look down here at another one and this one's flawed. But it still usable oh look there's another perfect piece but oh look right here this one's got some cracks in it and I all of a sudden I remembered something that God has given us a bundle a bundle of people some of us in our lives we grew up in church and and, and, and we've lived for God and we've done the best that we can. And, and, and we look at those people and we say, man, those people are flawless. How could God ever use me? Because look at them, they're flawless. And look at me. Look at me. I don't know that I can be used. I, I've got cracks and I've got knots in my life. And I don't know if I could ever be used. Huh. Yesterday, I walked in. Kevin said to me, Pastor, you want to give it a try? And he handed me this thing. I'd, I'd never seen one of these in my life. And what you do is you line those pieces up aboard. And this thing's got a groove on it. And you put the groove in to the groove on the board. And it's, it's hooked to an air compressor. And you take this hammer and you hit this piece right here. And it sticks in a staple right into it to hold it in place to the other board. This morning when God woke me up, I remember something that Kevin said to me yesterday. He started laying these pieces. And there was one that had a crack in it. And I said, Kevin, is that one usable? He said, yeah, pastor. Just hit it a little harder. 
He said, snug it up there real good. He said, then just hit it a little harder. You just need to apply a little bit more pressure. And it will close the gap. I remember taking that machine and putting my foot on it and hitting it. When I hit it, that gap closed. And then, watch closely. You ready? Careful, I might start running. We started laying all the pieces. Some of them looked really bad. Listen. But when you surrounded them by a lot of other pieces, you never even noticed that there was an imperfection anymore. You want to talk about revival, folks? It's time to stop looking. It's time to stop looking at your imperfections. It's time to stop wondering, can God use me? It's time to stop worrying about your past. It's time to start getting over your, your failures. It's time to stop, start getting over the things that, that you feel like that God has done in your life that, or, or that's happened in your life that you've done to your own self that God can't look past. Listen to me, church, this morning. God is not looking for perfect wood. God is looking to put a little bit more pressure to seal it all up, to make something beautiful. That's what God's looking for. Listen to me, church. God has got the putty. He's got what, he, what needs to happen. He said, Pastor, what is it? It's the blood. He's got it. And this morning, maybe, just maybe, he needs to take, and maybe he needs to add a little bit more pressure to you for you to realize how you can be used by God. Now, let me tell you something this morning. I told you I was a very visual person. We went to go pick this wood out. You can go over there and look at it after if you want to. It was sitting on a floor in a, in a store. And you know the only thing I could see? The only thing I could see was the imperfections. That's all I could see. And I thought, how in the world is this going to turn out? How is this going to look nice? Maybe we should go a different route because I, I, I'm not real sure how it's all going to look. And, and I hesitated many times about this decision. <laughs> and then they started putting it all together. And this is what I realized this is the church. I don't want God to fill our church with a bunch of perfect people. Because if he did, somebody would have to fire me. I don't want God to fill the church with people that don't have a little rough edges and they don't have a few knots in their lives. Because church, God wants to do something in our lives. And all it takes is us putting ourselves into the hands of the master 
and allowing him maybe to apply a little bit of pressure and maybe sticking us up against someone else that, boy, you know, pastor, that person has hurt my feelings. Pastor, that that person has done something to me in my life. Pastor, you don't understand. They said something. They did something. And now I don't want anything to do with them. As a matter of fact, I even come to church and they're within the four walls of this church. And I can't even look at them. I can't even talk to them. I can't even look their way because of how they hurt me. And because of how they feel like that they've ruined my, me. And, and I'm just going to keep this grudge in my life. I'm going to keep this knot. I'm not going to allow anybody to fix this knot. Listen, as long as we do that, we'll never experience revival as a church. I'm going to get real personal. Young people. I'll tell you something. There's not one of you sitting here that has never made a mistake. There's not one of you sitting here that has never hurt someone. There's not one of you sitting here that's perfect. And I know. Other struggles. I know there's struggles right now in your lives. And I know there's struggles amongst some of you. Can I tell you something this morning, young people? If you'll allow God to fit you together, if you allow God to join you together. Things would turn out so much better. Moms and dads, will you listen to me this morning? I know that we like to bear the burdens of our children. Can I tell you something? The Bible tells us that unity is of the utmost importance. The Bible tells us that we should all be in one accord and of one mind. And unless we decide that we are going to forgive and forget as Jesus has we will always be broken young adults and everyone else in our church as long As we hold grudges, as long as we 
have animosity in our lives, God will never fitly join us together. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? I'm talking about God taking our imperfections, putting a little bit of pressure on us so that we can turn out to be the masterpiece that he wants us to be. Now, as your pastor, I love you, and I care a lot about this church. I care a lot about every single person that's in this building. And I want nothing more than to see our church have revival. Have revival. And the way that we do that is that we all join fitly together. Together. I know that times are sometimes difficult, but God is greater than all of that. And as a church, I want us to flourish and I want us to grow, not physically unless God desires that, but spiritually. And it all starts with no matter what kind of peace we are, but just fitting us all together to make a beautiful masterpiece. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me?